Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host of the Square Circle Podcast, Marie Shadows. You are currently listening to the latest wrestling podcast episode via your favorite podcast platform. This mini announcement is to inform you that I have invested in a Patreon where you can now support the podcast plus my novel rookie directly through patreon.com forward slash rookie SCP. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I'll be reviewing Saturday night's AEW Dynamite that premiered on August 22nd, 2020. It was action-packed with lots of tag team action, a huge win for the ladies, and a huge upset. Let's talk about that huge upset. The Prince of Pro Wrestling, Cody Rhodes, got dethroned by Mr. Brody Lee of the Dark Order. Huge shocker. I didn't see it coming, and I don't think most did. Brody Lee was made into a monster that night, taking Cody off his game. Cody wasn't ready for Brody. Brody used the outside to his advantage. Brody basically overpowered Cody Rhodes using half and half suplex, German suplex, a super kick, two power bombs, and a discus lariat to pick up the victory during his match. This was for the TNT Championship that was on the line last week. Brody threw out the challenge to Cody Rhodes about taking his TNT Championship, and that is what he did on Saturday night. Cody tried to get an offense, but he just couldn't. He was way too overpowered, and Brody used his strength and power against Cody Rhodes to pick up that victory. Cody was then stretched out, but Dark Order wasn't done with Cody and the Nightmare family. Brody continued his beatdown on Cody, eventually smashing the old title against Cody Rhodes' head. The TNT Championship plate of the old title was in a black bag that Brody Lee had. Took it, smashed it over Cody's head. Then Brandy comes out to protect Cody, so that way there's no more attacks on Cody. However... Anna Jay is given the green light to go and attack Brandy and put her in a sleeper hold until she passes out and all the Dark Order members head to the back and now the doctors and referees can tend to everyone in the Nightmare family and take them to the hospital if need be. In one segment, the Dark Order looked, felt, and was made aware to be powerful. For months, fans didn't understand the Dark Order this night, they felt like a big threat, like how the inner circle started. Does this diminish Cody's impressing TNT championship reign? Absolutely not. Cody decided to cut a schedule like no other, even if his body said no. His mind, his heart, and pride said yes. Cody gave amazing performances and showcased amazing challengers that needed a little spotlight. Cody delivered on all promises when defending his TNT championship. He made undesirable to undeniable wrestlers that currently now have AEW contracts and exposures. Now the question is, how dark will the reign of the TNT champion, Mr. Brody Lee, be? Overall, that closing to AEW Dynamite was fantastic. It made everyone look like a million bucks. And finally, the Dark Order has some recognition. They are an added bonus to Being the Elite. If you guys are not watching Being the Elite, make sure to tune in every single Monday at 12 noon Eastern time to watch Being the Elite created by Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and Kenny Omega on YouTube. This is just a free plug. 
They don't tell me to do this, but I am a huge fan of being the elite. And being the elite does tie into all elite wrestling. So the Dark Order is very funny on there. They have personality. They move stories along, and it's great to see them on there. And then to finally have them get a bunch of wins under their belt in AEW and be treated as the force that they were originally meant to be is really great. Our next segment on AEW Dynamite is the women's tag team match, which was the finals for the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament. It was down to Diamante and Ivelisse teaming up against the Nightmare Sisters. Luckily, my prediction did not come through where the Nightmare Sisters were probably going to win, but due to the amount of comments, people were saying, please don't let them win, please don't let them win. Luckily, AEW listened to us. This tag match was really solid, and I am happy about that because the last time, I should probably say last Monday, when they had the semifinals on YouTube for the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup tournament, everyone was complaining, even myself, that because Brandy's figure got hurt while QT Marshall held it, she ran out and acted super silly. There is a time and a place for acting silly and acting comedic within professional wrestling, within professional wrestling matches. That was not it. When you're trying to promote a tag team tournament of this magnitude that the women have the focal point, you don't act like a kindergartner trying to still put over women's wrestling and still trying to promote AEW heels to be like, hey, I care about the women. You know, I want them to be strong and I want them to, you know, be as great as the men. But when you're constantly wanting to refer to your action figures or acting like a child because it got hurt, you know, that sets a different tone and a different brand idea of what you think the women are all about. Like these women put their bodies on the line, you know, for years to get some type of recognition, to get some type of respect from the men and also their fellow peers. And you're out there making a mockery out of a tag team match that's supposed to be serious. I really did tweet out saying that Brandy is making it harder for me to legit defend the women's division of AEW because I know how special the women's division is and how authentic they are. But back to this match, I'm happy that it was a solid tag team match where Diamante and Ivelisse gave the Nightmare Sisters a run for their money and actually had them perform and try to step up to their level. Between the two of them, they have so many years under their belts and they're very great veterans of the ring. So if anything, I would listen to them. If they want to call stuff on the fly, I would definitely listen to them. The only thing I want to comment on this match is that, you know, I've never told or typed out or tweet out to AEW to let them know to stop taking shots at WWE. I believe that if you take shots at your competitor, it's healthy, it's fun, you know, it can get the other company to do amazing things, to go head to head with you and see, you know, 
the fans who will want to watch more. However, I do not need Brandy kicking Ivelisse in the stomach just to butterfly her arms to tease us about doing a pedigree because if you saw the camera had panned to Dustin Rhodes and Dustin was saying to drop her. I'm guessing that it's going to be like she jumps and drops her. It's almost like a pedigree. But it's like, can you come up with your own original finisher? You don't need to like poke the bear that hard. That to me is poking the bear a lot more than smashing the throne, you know? Because, you know, you could just smash a prop. That's fine. Okay, great. You smashed a a throne that represents uh, Triple H. But to do someone else's move blatantly because you want to try to get a cheap pop or cheap heat, don't do it. Do something else. You're more than capable of coming up with your own move. There's a lot of material out there to study to make a move that no one has ever seen before. You know, take risk. Be daring. You don't have to do a spear and then try to do a pedigree. I'm happy that Diamante and Ivelisse won that tag team tournament. Maybe now we can have some more feuds within the women's division, but let me gather all of my thoughts together. And in the next podcast episode, it would definitely be dedicated to everything AEW women. That might take a little bit longer. So uh, if you guys are very interested in that, just make sure to send me messages to keep me on track so I can give you guys updates. But that might take a little bit longer for me to get my thoughts together to provide you guys with value. We get an amazing promo from Thunder Rosa, who is the NWA Women's Champion. She sends AEW a promo calling out Hikaru Shida, saying that all she wants to do is fight Shida at All Out, take the AEW Women's Championship, and that is it. She's not there to have a party. She's not there for anything else. She is there for that championship. And the way that she delivered the promo, I was in awe. It was amazing. And I was definitely hooked. And I really want to see how that match goes down at All Out. Welcome to AEW, Thunder Rosa. After that, I want to talk about the Dark Order versus the Elite. We had Alan Angels, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order, 3, 4, and 5 versus the elite, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and Kenny Omega. This match was really amazing to watch. Three, four, and five of the Dark Order are super talented, super athletic, and they work well as a team. And their mentality is to be one, because if you saw every single move that they did was in sync to hurting their opponent, especially when Kenny Omega was on the outside, One of the Dark Order members decided to hold a chair near Kenny Omega's head, and in comes another member to kick it. And then after that, place the steel chair on top of Kenny's chest for Alan Angels to deliver the double stomp onto Kenny Omega. And then they took care of Matt Jackson. There was also a cool combo by the Young Bucks. They did a bulldog slash dropkick combo to Alex Reynolds. Sometime later in the match, there were two power drivers given to the Young Bucks. I thought this was an amazing spot, an amazing move, where John Silver had one of the Young Bucks, did a power driver. Alex Reynolds comes in and does the power driver on top of the other Young Buck to try to pick up the victory, but that wasn't the case. 
towards the end, there was a huge combo with the Elite on Allen Angels, where Kenny eventually gave Allen Angels the one-winged angel to pick up the victory for their team. After that, Kenny decides to snap a little bit, go grab a chair, and put it in a very dangerous position, tries to powerbomb Allen Angels onto that chair. But Matt sees this, pulls the chair out, and Kenny just drops Allen Angels, and both Kenny and Matt are having an exchange of words. Nick comes in to be peacemaker, and at this point, I did not know if Kenny had snapped because of he thought Matt had gotten hurt. So if you notice the storytelling between the elite, whenever Kenny snaps is because he feels that the opponents took it too far in the very hard fought battles. And Kenny feels like he should be protecting his friends because his friends are getting hurt by the opponents. So I did not realize that when Kenny had grabbed Matt's neck to probably tell him, but your neck, and when Matt told him that it was fine, everything calmed down. But you can still see the frustration lingering in Kenny Omega's mind and his actions and stuff like that. That one was a little hard to decipher. It wasn't like the other one where he blatantly attack Marco and when Nick had stopped them from it, Kenny was like, but he hurt you. You know, that was obvious. This one was a little bit more I had to focus in and realize, oh, it was because of Matt's neck and the reoccurring injuries and this is why Kenny snapped. And slowly but surely, we will probably be getting a different side of the cleaner. Moving on to the next part of AEW Dynamite, it was FTR versus Private Party. FTR versus Private Party was the opener of AEW Dynamite. And usually when I do these podcast episodes, I always start from the beginning of the card to all the way to the end of the card. But I figured that you, the listener, would have wanted to listen to me talk about Brody Lee versus Cody Rose and the aftermath of that. However... FTR versus Private Party, that was a fun opener of a match. Surprisingly, this week, Tully is at ringside with FTR. He came out with FTR, and there is no Sean Spears to be seen. I don't know if this means that Sean Spears and and Tully's relationship is done or just put on hold for now, and Tully has aligned himself with FTR. And FTR makes a very great point that if you want to get gold in this business, you align yourself with Tully Blanchard and you go straight for that. You stay on the path that he has created for you because he knows the ins and outs on how to get gold around your waist. So FTR is all about business. FTR is all about getting the tag team gold and nothing is going to stop them. Not even private party. FTR really pushed private party to bring out their best. And I need to see more FTR versus private party matches. FTR is a great addition to All Elite Wrestling because they have a really high standard of tag team wrestling that pushes the other tag teams in the division. Whether or not they have the tag rope, but their knowledge and their skills and their storytelling 
elevates any other tag team as well as themselves. So I really appreciate FTR for being in AEW and working with the guys and providing amazing matches. There is one little thing I do want to talk about in this match. FTR is on the outside. They are regrouping. Cash jumps up onto the apron, holds the tag rope. His partner Dax is on the outside, offers up his hand. Bam, there goes the tag. But Ref Aubrey does not allow the tag to happen. That was a legal tag that FTR did by the rules that they put forth from their contract by holding the tag rope. But yet, referee Aubrey did not allow that to happen, which that was some bullshit. That was a legal tag. She dismissed it. That was wrong. They should have looked at the tape and gave it to them. But either way, FTR still won despite that being dismissed. But yes, that is a legal tag. After that, I do want to talk about the FTR and Hangman segment. Hangman is already upset. Came in to the interview of FTR and tell you and was just like, why did you guys do what you did? And the way that FTR delivers the story to Hangman makes a lot of sense. And it's very scary because as they're telling the story of that they felt very disrespected, it was Tag Team Appreciation Night, the Rock and Roll Express turned their backs on them. That's why they had to fake an injury. That's why they had to do this. You know, they chalk it up to it's just business. And sometimes in the wrestling business, that's all it is. It's business. It's not personal. However, as they're telling this story, they are planting the seeds of doubt into everything that has ever happened. They also reveal that they're going to be in the gauntlet match next week. And in this gauntlet match, it is to determine who goes to all out to face Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. I personally want FTR to be there. I really want FTR to be there. I do not want Best Friends there. I do not want the National Nightmares there. And I do not want the Young Bucks to be there at all out. I do not want any of those teams except for FTR to challenge Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega for those AEW World Tag Team Championships because now this is a long time coming and I really want to see great storytelling and I want to see this match happen. As for my prediction this early on, as much as I want Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega to retain the AEW World Tag Team Championships, I really need FTR to take it from them and let everything slowly fall. Hangman and Kenny have been working their asses off in tag team and singles competition to help out their friends or to be in certain storylines just because of something small, but it's not taken too far. But these guys have been great as a tag team and tag team champions, but it's time for them to take a breather from that huge spotlight, from that huge burden. And maybe we could just get a feud between them two for a little bit because they're not really on the same page, no pun intended, 
they're basically there. They're tag team champions. They're dealing with it. But as much as they are magnificent in the ring, behind the scenes, the little cracks, the little seeds planted, they both view friendship as different. But they still work together to get the job done. I just think now is the time to take the belts off of them, give it to FTR, and see how FTR will run things and see what happens between the elite and Hangman and FTR. That's what I'm saying. After that, we get Darby versus Will Hobbs. This was a short, quick match. And then out comes Ricky Starks cosplaying as Darby. And that was amazing. It was absolute amazing storytelling. And I really enjoy Ricky Starks in AEW. And Ricky Starks as a heel is the best thing. And both of them are making the story exciting. Next, we have an eight-man tag match that included Jurassic Express and Natural Nightmares versus the Lucha Bros and Butcher and the Blade. This was a very huge match. Lots and lots of spots. Lots and lots of flying over the top rope. Lots and lots of fast action back and forth. So this is what I have for my notes. Lucha Bros fly over the top rope onto Jurassic Express and Natural Nightmares. This is how the opening of the match started. Towards the end of the match, Pentagon and Blade argue. The only reason why Blade had offered to help Pentagon with the finisher is because Ray Phoenix was on the outside of the ring. He didn't get up fast enough. He still dazed out there, and Pentagon wasn't having it. So Pentagon pushed. Blade and Jungle Boy did a roll up on Blade and became the winner of the match. Jurassic Express and Natural Nightmares are the winner of this eight man tag. Then you have Eddie Kingston come out and cut a brilliant promo and have the teams of the Blade and the Butcher and Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. hug it out. The last thing that I want to talk about is. Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho feud. I left this for last because this has lost steam and it lost my interest. And right now it's just a, let's just get through this. I am done with this feud. This feud does not interest me. As much as Jericho is the GOAT and Jericho knows what he's doing, I'm just not invested in it anymore. So this time around, Jericho decided to make another match for him versus Orange Cassidy called the Mimosa Mayhem match. I did not realize that they were one and one in winning in this feud. So this is why we have a third match and it's the Mimosa Mayhem match. Why? This is so gimmicky that I'm just like, uh, I'll, I'll allow it. I hope that after this match, we move on to something else. Because at this point, the inner circle lost almost all of their momentum. They were a huge threat in AEW when they first started. Now the threat is the Dark Order. And what is the inner circle doing to recover? Absolutely nothing. Not much anyway. So I hope that after this Mimosa Mayhem challenge, that's the end of the Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy feud. 
I understand what Chris Jericho is doing. I give him props. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just over it. I really am. And that time could be spent trying to get the women over and trying to have more women matches and trying to form some type of story with the women so it can be the same as the men. I want to be interested in women's storytelling as well and help out there. That's that's all I want. Sometimes you have to cut something for something else to see it grow. All right, my awesome listeners, that's it for this review of Saturday Night's AW Dynamite that premiered on August 22nd, 2020. If you're looking forward to AEW Dynamite this coming week like I am, make sure to tune in on the special day of Thursday, August 27th on TNT at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. And as always, support the podcast via Patreon to get exclusive benefits for your entertainment pleasure. I'll see you in the next Square Circle podcast.